Today's episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Podgo is providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co. That is one more time, P-O-D-G-O dot C-O, podgo dot co. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Podcast. It's great as it is on television. 
come on down in the intimate confines of the Manhattan Center and feel the electricity, the shock, if you would, of Monday Night Raw. And be ready to expect the unexpected and you won't be disappointed. And right now, continuing to make a rather impressive impression, is Adam Bomb. And who knows, people, you could pick up 30 bucks to shine some shoes. <laughs> Supposed to be 100. Yeah, but taxes, don't you pay taxes? Did you hear that right there? He's making a statement. Yeah, he's making a statement in more ways than one. By the way, USA Network continues to make a statement. Wednesday night, a search for their lost son leads a young couple to uncover a terrifying government experiment. Gregory Harrison and Cicely Tyson star in duplicates. A USA World Premiere Movie Encore, Wednesday night at 9 Central. What? 8 Central, rather, 9 what? Eastern. What'd you just do? Did you just call Gregory Harrison a sissy? That's not what I said. And certainly we're not looking at any sissies here on Monday Night Raw. Maybe the lost son is the atom bomb. Oh, man. This guy means business. He is bad. Adam Bomb and Apollo and Johnny Polo. Oh, wait a minute, I'm going all the way up the top now. Don't tell Polo me he sends can Adam Bomb to the top rope. Adam Bomb perched in. What's going to happen? The leap. Whoa, what a clothesline. What a bomb. Yeah. Yes, yes. total destruction. <laughs> total destruction. Words from your pal Johnny Polo and uh oh, oh what's this? I can smell the mushroom cloud. Whoa! Boom! Oh, vicious! Oh, oh. And the three count! Johnny Polo delighted! Adam Baum with a successful, a rather auspicious premiere here on Monday Night Raw. Oh, come oh. on, give me a break. By the way, next week, ladies and gentlemen, one-on-one. -on -one champion, he gets a shot at Marty Jannetty's Intercontinental title right here on Monday Night Raw, and we'll be back with Bam Bam Bigelow as we can. Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I am your host, JP John Paz, and with me today is a very, very special guest. He is, of course, a former two-time WCW World Tag Team Champion, the creation of devastation in the WWF known as Adam Bomb. Of course, he was also Wrath in WCW and a great member of Chronic. He is, of course, Mr. Brian Clark. Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, man. Good intro. Thanks. Uh, appreciate you having me. Thank you. Yay, no problem at all. So what's been going on with you? I know you're keeping very busy lately. You've been kind of uh, all over uh, the place. 
Man, it, it has been. Uh, this past week, um, uh, PWTs released uh, a line of merchandise for me. Um, uh, probably 10 different shirts of different um, stuff that I have, that I've actually, I've created. I've been working on this for a long time. It's something that didn't just happen. Um, you know, I, I work with a graphic designer on everything. So my touch, they're all my ideas and creations um, put together. And I had um, a designer um, put them all together for me. And I've got, I've got another one in the works um, with Tom Fleming, who created Adam Bomb back from the WWF days. He also did a lot of work on Undertaker, Razor Ramon, all the pay-per-view posters. I mean, and now he works for Marvel Comics. Wow. So, like, give you an idea of, of um, what I got coming up. So, real excited about all of it. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that you're kind of getting back out there, pro wrestling tees, because you could do the Atom Bomb, you could do the Chronic, you could do the Wrath. So, there's all, all the cool kind of stuff you could do. Yeah, and I even got stuff um, from the All Japan title that win, I, and I, I put together a, a phenomenal shirt, and it's it's the Breaking Next Cash and Checks thing. Yep. You just got to go check it out, man. It's it's pretty creative stuff, if I have to say, <laughs> if I had to put myself over a little bit. But like I said, I've been working on it a long time. So Should have mentioned in the intro, All Japan Tag Team Champions. Hey, well, I should have said that, yeah. Three times. <laughs> I was going to let you slide. I, you know. Yep. It's cool. yeah, yep. okay. Now, as far as kind of you and, and other stuff, what like what are you doing? Are you still doing a lot of the wrestling stuff? I know because of the pandemic, it's not personal appearances, but are you still doing a lot of the wrestling stuff? Um, you know, I just started back. I, I was, I did a few right, um, before the pandemic, I did New York and a few other areas. Um, and then when that shut down, I sort of shut down, you know what I mean? Um, cause everything was just, uh, I don't know. Everything was delayed. It was just a big hassle. Um, when I say hassle, I mean, just the whole idea of, of trying to fly cross country. I'm out in Arizona and it's just, I just sort of waited till things to sort of open back up and I just started taking them again. In the meantime, I was working on all these other, uh, the whole merchandising stuff. So I've, I've been busy. Um, I've been training like crazy. Um, you know, I'm in the gym every morning at 7 a.m. Uh, I just, man, it, it's just been all good stuff. Now, as far as you and like your career, before you got into wrestling, were you in the military or what was kind of the, the life before wrestling? Oh, okay. Um, right out of high school, I joined the military. I come from a, a military family. Uh, my stepfather, stepfather's army. My father's Marine Corps. Both of my nephews are special forces. Um, grandfather, World War II. It just goes on and on. Myself, I served. Um, so, yeah, um, I started powerlifting in the Air Force, got on the Air Force powerlifting team, won a few championships over in Europe. Uh, from there, walked on at Central Missouri State, uh, and here's you'll get. <laughs> it, I didn't even play high school football. I just walked on in the spring. I got a full scholarship, and I wow. started. I started as a freshman. Wow. I mean, I was a, I was just so strong, man. Just such a powerhouse. Um, and I had in my mind I was going to play college football no matter what. Just like I had in my mind I was going to be a pro wrestler no matter what. So that was the. You know, like I said, high school, military, my my stepfather instilled weight training to me at a very young age, and it has stayed with me 
through thick and thin, man. It just has been such, uh, that is where that's my, that's my place to go is the gym. And, um, it's this never left my side. I know it's other people have other things, but that's just my thing, man. And, um, I did it this morning. I've done to this day. Were you always a big wrestling fan? You said you always kind of wanted to be a pro wrestler. Were you always a big uh, fan? Yeah, actually I, I was, I got to see uh pro wrestling at a very young age. Um, I'm from Florida. And so uh, Florida championship wrestling, they would come through my hometown occasionally. And um, <clears throat> I got to see some of the greats as a kid. I got to see Andre the Giant. I got to see Dusty Rhodes. I got to see Buddy Colt. Um, just a lot of legends, you know, and I was just a kid. I was probably eight, nine years old. <laughs> and I told the story before. My grandmother used to get ringside seats. That's awesome. Yeah. And so – I didn't get. To, I didn't always get to sit ringside. I would sit up in the, in the stands, but I would sneak my way down to my grandmother's ringside seat, and so I would get ringside action, man. And so I was. I'm sure I was hooked at a very young age. Um, you know, um, I, I've always just I've always been fascinated and loved it. So interesting. I had a college professor who wrote a thesis paper on older women, you know, grandmothers that were wrestling fans. It was such an interesting thing because he knew I was into wrestling. I was like, wow. And he goes, you would have, he's like, you have no idea how into it these women were. Like they were more into it than the male fans. So I was like, wow, that's such a cool like thing. So he was saying like his grandmother, that's where he got the inspiration. She was really into wrestling. So I was like, oh my, my God. Too, man, mine too. Uh, it's, it, I don't know. I don't know what that is, but it, you know, Maybe it's uh, their soap opera from the day. This was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. um, Yeah, she loved it. Very cool. You always see like um, that hat pin woman or, you know, like or even in WCW when Hogan was in the NWO, you always see that old woman trying to get Hogan with the the, the little little pin. Yeah, there you go. I mean, you know, yeah. Always always like that. Interesting. So. When you, you know, you're a big fan of stuff, when do you start putting on, like, the size? And obviously, you're probably 6'6 six, six or so. So when yeah. you start putting on the size and realizing, like, okay, I could play college football. I'm, I'm a big boy. You know, wrestling is going to come easy because I'm big. When do you start putting on that, that kind of, like, girth? Man, I honestly, as soon as I went through, through the um, military police academy, all through my combat training, once I was finished with that and I got to my first assignment, that's all I did was weight train and eat and train and eat and sleep. Now, that's all I did. And it just was coming to me so naturally. I was, like I said, and then I got transferred over to Europe. I was stationed in Belgium for a year. And I, and then I got myself onto the, to as a super heavyweight, onto the Air Force powerlifting team. Um, I won the U.S. Air Forces in Europe title. Um, and just, I kept competing in powerlifting and, and, and weight training. Um, and then, um, when I got back to the States, I got stationed in Missouri and the closest place I was just like out of my head. I was like, okay, what, what, wherever I land. Cause I had no idea where I was going to be stationed. That's, that's where the military is. You, you'll find out when you get there kind of thing. Yep. Um, but I just was, um, I told myself, I was like, okay, the, the, the school that is the closest to me, that's where I'm walking on. I didn't care where it was at. I mean, within reason, you know what I mean? I, I didn't want to go to, uh, some of the places didn't have a tradition at least. And, and I ended up going to central Missouri state, which, um, they've always been a winning school. Um, Butch Reed played college football there. 
I don't know, long time before I did, but he was a middle linebacker there. Um, I played side by side with Jeff Wright, who was a nose tackle for the Buffalo Bills in all four Super Bowls. Um, so we, we just had a lot of. There's been a lot of good talent that have have went went through Central Missouri State, and um, and so that you know, like I said, that was the tie-in with the from the military transition into college athletics. Did you ever think about playing for the NFL? I thought about it. Um, and like I said, the guy I played right next to got drafted by Buffalo. I think he might have went in the sixth or seventh round, made it, um, and I went to all four Super Bowls, had a had a great career. I just um, – I'd already knew, even though I was playing college football, already in my head I was like pro wrestling, pro wrestling. That, that, that's what I want to do. <laughs> and I told this story before, like I'd make a tackle of somebody and get up and cut a promo on them. Yeah. Yeah, just stupid crap like that. But, um, yeah, I just was hooked, man, especially during college, man. It was so red hot. Um, you know, I, that's all I thought about, yeah. So what made you, you know, finally make the jump and get trained, and, and who'd you go to for that? Um, well, initially, I, I um, had found out that Ox Baker lived not too far away from me, and I was like, man, I got to meet him, you know. So I had a friend introduce me uh, to him. And um, so he sort of introduced me to the business, of, you know, as far as me getting a little bit of a, um, a taste of it. But I really got, once I had finished college, graduated, I knew that I said, okay, I got to get trained. Because um, I'd had a couple of matches, fell on my face, just was, I was not ready. And the bottom line is I was not, well, I was not ready. Too green which everybody sort of goes through that process. At least I think most people do. Um, but yeah, I had to, I moved to Atlanta uh, and met with, with Jody Hamilton uh, and Dwayne Bruce. And those are the two guys that, uh, that trained me um, at what is called a power plant. But when I went to it, like I told the story before, when I went to it, it, it was an old carpet warehouse. There was no, <laughs> Three rings, three rings in a weight room, and you all this stuff is here. You know, you get, it was none of that. It was just a, a hot box. But you know, I paid my dues down there, working my way through the outlaws and the independents, and anywhere I could go to get to work and to get ring experience. Um, until I got a break, um, I'd work Paul Orndorff of, of all people on an independent, and he um, he was working Smoky Mountain at the time, and he put me over to Jim Cornette. And Cornette says, hey, bring him up. I want to take a look at him. And so that sort of led in into Smoky Mountain. Nice. And now, even before that, though, when you first started, when he's training you, are they training you? Because you always hear that back then they would train you to not make it. Were they training you to almost not make it? Was it like that tough? Man, I, I felt like I was being suplexed out of my boots for a long time. Yeah. I, I'm sure they were testing me. But I just was not going to break. I, you know, I had sacrificed. I already made the commitment to, like I said, the move down there. I put everything in a U-Haul and said, "This is it, man." Um, so yeah, I, they were going to have to do a hell of a lot to run me off because <laughs> I was bound yeah. and determined to, to, to make it. Yeah, and but then you yeah, really, they, I, I do think that they, there were some guys that got ran off, um, one way or another. So yeah. Yeah, because when you kind of break in at that period of time, you know Jody is a tough guy, and 
they weren't necessarily always loving guys getting into the business. They were like, okay, whoever's the toughest guy can yep. stay and, and, and they'll, they'll be able to make it in the business. Yeah, that is, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. I, there was no like open door policy. Oh, come on in. We're going to take you because of this or that or whatever, you know? But like I said, I was, I was six, six, you know, two ninety, three hundred. 300. I, I can handle myself uh, pretty well. And it, I just think it it paid off, you know. Definitely. When you first started, you were in the AWA, right? You were the Night Stalker with yeah. uh, Vern up in the AWA. How did you get in there? See, that's good. That goes back to me not being ready. I had met Ox, and Ox got me on a couple. Okay, so. of, right when AWA was basically closing the doors, yep. but he got me on one or two things. Um, so yeah, I was still in college playing college football and doing. Oh that. wow. Wow. Yeah, so it was crazy. Like I'd get out, get out of class, come home, turn on ESPN, and I'm like, hey, I'm on. You know, just a little one or two little bits. Not nothing, nothing to uh, really establish me at all. Just um, like I said, just give me a little taste of the business. Yep. Um, then later on, then I would really, you know, in the, a couple of years later, I'd really get the full effect. Yep, because you're in WCW as a Night Stalker as well for a little bit, a little cup of coffee. Uh, yeah. The match, match with Sid obviously doesn't go that great. Oh, you know, you yeah. had some stuff there. Yeah, yeah I, that was I was still at Central Missouri when wow. I had that match. I, I didn't know. realize you were that young. Wow. Yes, I I was still playing play, play football and, and coming in and doing that. Uh, I again, me, it's just a, one of those things where I was I was so green um, and was not ready. Um, but I did, like I said, a couple things for WCW. Um, I feel like they just sort of threw me in there. Um, and I wasn't ready for it. I had to, I needed, I needed that seasoning. Yeah, for sure. And then a little bit of UWF with Herb Abrams. And then, like you said, Smoky Mountain with, with uh, Jimmy Cornette. what did you think about, uh, Mr. Cornette? I I thought he was great. Um, still do. I, you know, I haven't talked to him in God uh, forever. Um, but I, um, I mean, I credit him for give, getting me, me really my first break in Smokey. I mean, him and of course, Paul Lorndorf, uh, and being on the road with Paul, man, I was able to absorb, I mean, we were traveling together from Atlanta. So I was able to absorb as much as I possibly could. And then I, then Cornette put me with Kevin Sullivan. So I was even just trying to soak up more, you know, as much as I could. Um, but yeah, Jim, you know, Jim really got me started um, as far as being in a company, being on a weekly TV show, understanding um, more and more about the business. When you're there, is this like thinking to yourself, like, okay, this is going to be full time job now? Now, I'm, I'm, wrestling is it? It's my focus. Is that when you kind of click for you? Um, I wanted it to be, um, but I knew that Smokey was regional. Um, and we were mostly uh, in the in the in the southeast, in the Carolinas, and a few shows in Kentucky, and just all over the place. But it was mostly like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing. And then when I got back to Atlanta, I had a job, so I was working. I was doing both, um, trying to make ends meet because uh, you know there just wasn't a whole lot of money to be made in Smoky um, because, like I said, it was it's regional, so. Um, for some guys that, that that were that lived in that area, I think they were able to to have that just as their only income. But with me at the time, you know, I was I was working, and every chance, every you know, every three or four days, I had a guy that was I working with that was a good good 
employer and I was able to let me go to get that experience. And you were TV champ there. So, I mean, it was yeah. a little bit, uh, right. A little bit of a push. Yeah. I Smoky Mountain, uh, television champ. Hey, yeah. I had it for a week or so. Yeah. It was, um, you know, I, that, that showed me that, that Jim had confidence in me. Um, and that I was learning more and more and more. And I, there was the locker room was filled with great guys, Tom Pritchard, Ricky Morton, Robert Gibson, um, Tim Horner. I mean, the locker room was filled with a lot of legends and stuff that guys that I could learn from. Um, Tracy Smothers, it, just, it goes on and on. I mean, I the list is a, uh, it was a hell of a locker room. I, I, I love, I love Smoky Mountain. I'm looking back, it, I, it was one of the, it was the most fun and the least amount of pressure. Um, even though I was still had to prove myself, I still, it was, and I look back to my whole career that that was the least amount of pressure I had. I don't know if it was because the way Jim handled things, which I'm sure it probably was, <clears throat> but, um, yeah, that, that was always, uh, a good memory of Smoky, no doubt. Smoky Mountain. Did you know when you're at Smoky Mountain that it could be like a launching pad to the WWF? Did you know that there was a relationship there and that Cornette could help you get in the WWF or you weren't even aware of that? I I knew I had a feeling and and um I I knew that they had to be watching what, what other promotions were doing. There was there was Texas and a few other areas that were I'm sure that Vince was always keeping an eye on or had people looking at, you know, for him. Um, and so, yeah, I, I sort of felt like there was a, a connection somewhere, um, but it really was never a, announced or made official. Hey, we're working with these guys, whatever. I just, you know, I know that um, when I got the call, um, Sergeant Slaughter called me and said, uh, Hey, we've been looking at you. Uh, we want to get a, a better look at you. We want you to come up for a TV taping, uh, a couple of TV tapings up in the Carolinas when we're going to be in town in a couple of months or whatever it was. And so that's um, that's when I got my tryout. Now, I guess the tryout, was that against um, Justin Incredible, or do you even remember who, or PJ Walker, who was the first match against? Uh, I, R- Reno Riggins. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. I just talked to Reno. Nice. Yeah, he was great to work with. He was excellent. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, and the second guy, man, I, I don't remember who the second guy was. It were two nights. I got hired after the first night. Uh, after my match with Reno, they called me in and said, oh, you're hired. I'm like, great. Uh, so, yeah, Reno was, was excellent. I always, uh, PJ is a buddy of mine, just incredible. He always says, I think maybe it was your first TV match, but he always said he was kind of one of the first guys to be able to, he, he would like name a bunch of guys. He's like Adam Bob, this person, like, so you yeah. just remember that. Like, we did work. Oh, yeah. We worked yeah. plenty of times. I just don't, I don't remember if it was during the tryout or not. Um, yeah, we definitely worked a lot of TVs and uh, different, different times. It's funny, I was just talking to Reno, and he was telling a story about how basically he kind of snuck in his, his way into the WF. He pretended he was the FedEx driver, and then he was telling them how he was a trainer. So pretty funny story. I never knew that, but that's yeah. that's funny. But they knew, I guess he knew that he was a worker, so they knew he was a worker. Like, well, show up to the next town. We'll get you on the show. So kind of a funny way into the into the business. But for you, I feel like you're like the prototypical Vince McMahon guy. You know, tall big did somebody say that to you like oh vince loves these giant guys that are larger than life and kind of bigger than you know a normal um, athlete 
so to speak. I'd heard that before, um, but I was going to make my separate myself from that. I also became a high flyer. I since since the very beginning of my training, I was ready to go to the top rope. Uh, you know, I was not going to just be big and slow or the big guy who only has two moves. I, that was not in my mindset. I was ready to try uh, impressive big moves, high flying stuff. Uh, and I did throughout my career. But yeah, that that's the one thing. It's like, yeah, okay, hey, he wants big, impressive guys that take care of themselves, look good, train hard, not just uh, in the in, in wrestling, but outside of the business, you got to take care of yourself and work out. So I knew that, but I also had to know that um, I had to separate myself. You did that for, with the athleticism and things like that. So when you first get in and you're working with WBF, are you Adam Bomb per se? Do they give you a name? Do they give you a gimmick? Or is that something you got to meet with Vince at Titan Towers and you go over the like the concept? Um, well, I remember trying out, getting hired. Then they basically sent me home. I said, okay, well, we're going to come up with something for you. Um, and they, they pitched a couple of things to me and, uh, Adam bomb was the one that I chose. Um, I said this a couple of weeks ago and the, uh, the London sun, the UK newspaper picked it up. Um, but they also pitched me the ringmaster gimmick. Oh, wow. They sent me two, two choices and, and, um, and I picked Adam bomb, um, and if I look, I could probably find find them somewhere. But the, and people are like, "Oh, that's BS." I'm like, "Look, they trademarked it in '93. Check the trademarks. I don't care if you believe me or not." I got tired of defending it, but yeah. those were the two gimmicks that were offered, and I went with Adam Bond because I I just felt I could do a lot more with it. Interesting, the ringmaster of all things. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a shoot, 100. Yeah. percent Yeah, I've said it before, and you know. Um, I know that, like I said, they gave that, you know, they, they gave that to Steve Austin later, yeah, a few years later, uh, yeah. yeah, but they had had that. I mean, they, they trademarked a lot of stuff, uh, at the time. And so, yeah, that, I guess that's how that happened. It's funny too, because Austin always has that story of all the gimmick names that they wanted to give him to Chili McFreeze and like all these corny nicknames and stuff. So you almost got lucky that you didn't get all those other corny nicknames. Well, Adam Bomb is catchy, you know. Yeah, and it, yeah absolutely. Dual name and Adam, Adam, you know, two spellings, whatever. I like I said, I, I felt I could do more with it um, than the other gimmick, so that that's why I chose it. And um, back to Tom Fleming, he's the one who had the art designs that he sent to me, and and the other design was somebody else that had sent. I, I don't know who did that, but Tom did Adam Bomb, and so it was just. It just looked badass. Yeah. And so that's, that's I just said, man, that, that's the one I want, you know, and so. So when Vince or, you know, whoever is kind of explaining the gimmick, do they sit you down and be like, well, listen, you're going to have a red tongue. You're going to have green eyes. Like, do they explain that to you or, or, or are you coming up with that stuff? I came up with that. Wow. I, okay. I, I did the red tongue thing because it's a nuclear gimmick. Yep. The, the red eyes, I, I told them about it. They met, they flew me to New York in Manhattan and I got the special eye specialist and he made them actually, he actually made them to wear my prescription because I, I wore contacts. So he made them my prescription, but also made the fluorescent yellow. Mm -hmm. yep. so yeah, That was my suggestion. Uh, 
a lot of stuff, like I said, the name and stuff, they, they had it, and that's what they came up with. And Tom put together a lot of the colors uh, and everything. But um, you sort of have to, whatever you come up with, you've got to own it, and you've got to really put your touches on it because you're just going to feel better with the gimmick. And this new generation that they're kind of putting together, it is very gimmick orientated. Like they have the colors and the looks and the different things. So when you're Adam Baum, are you kind of you fully invested? And in, like, what is Vince thinking of you as the character at first? Um, I think I think he liked it, and and the fact that you know I was not just a foot soldier. <laughs> what I yeah. mean by that is that I would go and fly. Um, you know, like even the Manhattan Center, my debut and stuff, I'm off the top rope doing doing my stuff and my power moves too. But um I think he I think he liked it. I think he, you know, um a lot of people did. And it's still popular to this day, man. I get I got so many followers and stuff that I'm I'm humbled by it because it's very it's really cool that they um they're loving the merchandise and they're they're liking my ideas and stuff on a lot of stuff. So it, it was a powerful it was a gimmick that um, people could get with. WWE's biggest two-night event is this weekend in Tampa, Florida to celebrate this historic event. DraftKings, an official gaming partner of WWE, is putting you in the center of the action with $50,000 up for grabs this weekend. Each night of WrestleMania will have a $25,000 free-to-play contest. Playing for your share of $50,000 is easy. Download the DraftKings app, sign up using promo code POWERTRIP, and enter DraftKings free-to-play WrestleMania pool. Answer questions like who will make a surprise appearance and who is walking away victorious. The customers with the most correct answers will get their share of $50,000 in prizes that is up for grabs throughout the weekend. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to his players since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. Download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code POWERTRIP to enter the free WrestleMania Prediction Challenge with $50,000 up for grabs throughout the weekend. So use the code POWERTRIP right now and enter the free $25,000 contest each night of WrestleMania only at DraftKings, an official gaming partner of the WWE. And it's funny too. I was looking up the other day trying to get a green card Hasbro Adam Bomb. Oh, they're a couple hundred dollars. <laughs> they are expensive. Remember the little uh, Hasbro guys? You were part of the last series. They called it the green card because of the backing. Okay. Yeah. I got wow. like, I got like, <laughs> I got so many action figures of, of mine. Yep. Yeah, I got a lot of those. But yeah, they they, they are real popular, man. Um, They're expensive. Oof. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's a good thing. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I sign it; they'd be worth even more. So. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Got to get if, if you can get your hands on them. If you know, a lot of fans are rare. Right. I just stay out of my office. I'm good. Yes. <laughs> So when you get paired with Johnny Polo at first, do you think that's a good pairing, or is that something that's not really going to work? Um, whether it was going to work or not, I did not know. I didn't really understand it. I didn't. I didn't felt. I did not feel that it went together just for the fact that 
he was sort of his gimmick was like a rich spoiled kid that bought this monster kind of thing. I just didn't think it fit. Um, so yeah, nothing against him. I like him. Uh, just saying that I just don't think that it it went with the gimmick. And I know because I used to go to shows, obviously, a lot back then. A lot of the kids were scared of you, too. And, and I don't know if Johnny Polo helped <laughs> that really. Like, you know what I mean? Did you, did you sense that, too? It's like, okay, this guy, you know, he, he's getting this kind of heat. And you obviously are that guy. But it's like, are you sensing getting the fans getting scared of, like, wow, look at this guy's eyes. Look at He's a big guy. He's a monster. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, you can see, like, when you watch back the matches and stuff, that music hits me. And the kids are just... Their eyes are all, they're all, you know, what the hell is going on kind of thing. Yeah, it, I can feel it. I can see it, you know, so, yeah. Very, like, larger than life, but in, in like, that scary monster kind of Godzilla kind of thing. So, oh, Jesus, yeah. who's this guy coming out? Right. Very, very cool thing. So, the Three Mile Island thing, the, the atom bomb, the nuclear bomb stuff, that's all just the idea of, of you, or is that collaboration with Vince of kind of putting it all together? Um. Well, the atom bomb, like I said, was was Tom Fleming's creation. Um, they probably said I was from Three Mile Island originally. Mm-hmm. That might have been all theirs. Um, but the other things like the tongue and the got the, the lens and stuff. Um, yeah, I put those touches on. And then I also, um, it's weird going back to merchandise, but I was I don't know if I was the first one, but I I feel like I was the first one to ever approach Vince with my own merchandise. I had met with some graphic arts people in Atlanta, had the idea of the foam footballs and stuff and the yes. bomb squad, Adam bomb t-shirts. I had a whole catalog and I took them into him and he popped. I mean, he, he, Oh, this is great. You know, get these made right away. Kind of thing. He loved them. And so that's why I thought I was like, no one's probably ever done this before, but, I just went with it, and so, and so did he. Very cool idea. And you know he's like a marketing whiz. He loves that stuff. So if somebody comes to him with something and he pops, it's pretty uh, great. Yep, exactly. I, that's why I think I was the, probably the first wrestler to go in and say, hey, boy, take a look at this. And I had, like I said, I had a, had a catalog. Of, I said catalog, probably six, eight pages, maybe ten, I don't know, of all the stuff that I had, all the designs and all my ideas. And he loved them. So very cool. Yeah, the football yeah. thing was an awesome idea. I guess nerf, right? Kind of yeah, it's like a nerf ball, yep. But man, it could go up into the rafters, man. I could hit up <laughs> in the, the third row, no problem. They would fly. When you're going along in the WBF, who are you working with a lot? Are you working Undertaker a lot? Like who are you kind of wrestling most? Uh well, I worked in so many I was telling somebody the other day about how many casket matches. You know, I don't. I don't need to be in another casket till it's time to be in one permanently. But yeah, I was in a ton of casket matches uh, in the U.S. International. I worked with Taker a lot. I worked with Brett. I worked with with Randy a few times. Um, man, I worked with a lot of people. It seems like I worked with uh, Bigelow. Um, it seems like I worked with the the whole entire roster. It seemed like at least um, I can't. I worked with Yoko. Um, boy, I, I can't think of anybody I didn't work with. When you're dealing with the Undertaker, working with the Undertaker, how is he? Like, is he stiff, snug? Is he great to work with? Is he kind of teaching you? Like, how is he to wrestle? Yeah, I'm sure he was 
um, bringing me along. Um, that was never stiff or nothing. At least I didn't think he was stiff. I, I, I personally, I, I'd already been through, like I said, the military combat training, college football. If you like, you know, I, I'm okay with stiff. I, the, I, I prefer that honestly than something that's so light that you just, it's not there, but yeah, he, I'm sure, you know, he was in, you know, he was a little bit ahead of me training wise and progression wise, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I feel like I think we sort of helped each other. Honestly. Was he a locker room leader at that point or he didn't really roll into that character or, or behind the state behind the scenes, but backstage guy, he didn't become that till later on. I would probably say it was later on. I mean, we had a lot of people with, you know, a lot. We had Brett and we had Yoko. We had, we had a lot of guys in the locker room. We had Randy, uh, you know, so I wouldn't say he had that role or whatever, you know, if, if there is such a thing. Um, yeah, I, I would probably say that came along later, you know, and he was Vince's uh, project. So, you know, I'd say it was later. With you, you get rid of Johnny Polo, you get Harvey Whippleman. Was that a better trade for you? Again, uh, still not the best fit. Uh, and I don't know what would have been the best fit. Uh, maybe not have a manager at all. I, I right. don't know. It's hard to say looking back on it. Um, I don't think those were the two um, – that we needed to go in. I think we should have went in a different direction, but that's just what I think my opinion. Yeah. Maybe Adam bomb didn't need a manager at all. Eh, maybe, maybe not. I, it's, it had to be the right one. I just was waiting for the right one. I, I just don't think the first two um, were it, you know, you did have speaking of Bret Hart, you mentioned him earlier. It's, you did have a great match with him on superstars. What was Brett like to work with? He, he seems like, you know, the ring general, the master, you know, what was Brett like? Yeah. Um, you know, excellent technician, um, learned a lot from him. Uh, love working with him. Um, nothing but good stuff about Brett. I mean, you know, I, you know, like I said, I, I think I learned a lot from being on the road so much. Cause it was such a brutal grind. Um, like I said, people have no idea, uh, but when you're looking at 280 plus days wow. per year, plus personal appearances, plus autograph sessions or whatever, you think about 280 days, different city every night and not just us. I'm talking international and around the world. That will, that's a meat grinder. And you're not a small guy either. So planes, trains, automobiles. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's not good for you, you know? and weight training and wrestling every night, trying to find good food at a restaurant. It goes A to Z as far as, um, you know, it's just, it is what it is, but that was the schedule, man. It was, it was no joke. Especially then there was so much travel and stuff involved. Was it a bit brutal for you? Like as far as maybe drinking or partying or, or doing some extracurricular activities to kind of get through those days. Cause you're on the road so much. I mean, you're way more on the road than you are at home. Oh yeah. You're definitely on the road a lot more. I was not really a big party person. Um, you know, I would drink occasionally, um, but I could not, you know, 
after the match, go and stay out all night and then go to the gym next morning. When are you going to rest? When are you, when's your body going to recover? You know, you just, you just got to know when to, Hey, it's okay to take a day off and, and try to rest and recuperate. Cause you've got to fly cross country. You're going to Europe or wherever you're going. Um, yeah, you've got to be smart about it, you know, but yeah, it's hard. It, it, like I said, it's like I said, so it, at times, it was a meat grinder. I just couldn't believe I'm like, I can't believe I just got back from Europe. I'm home two or three days. I'm going back. I just got, I just left there, but you know, that's where the, at the time, that's where the money was for the fact that this was going through this big steroid trial at that time. And so it seemed like all the money was being pumped into the company to keep him out of jail. That's the way I think about it. It seemed that way. I don't know how else everybody was looking at it, but um, you know, the money was not there for uh, for me personally, um, because you always think, man, hey, I'm, I made it to the big time, right? I got action figures, I got video games, I got all this stuff. But like, when I, and I've said before, like when I get home, I see the paychecks. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I, just, I just, I just was like, I just was like not buying this. So yeah. Is that one of those things where you don't think Vince is going to be back? You think he's going to end up in jail? Or what did you kind of think with the steroid trial? Oh, I, I figured he'd get out of it or something would happen. Or, you know, I really didn't think about it that much. I just, we, knew, we all knew it was going on. But we we were so, so busy working that we didn't really think. I don't know. We just didn't think about it, I guess, that much. It's crazy to think about wrestling now and then look at that generation of guys then. It's like, my God, a lot of the guys today, if you say 200 pounds, you're like, wow, this is a decent-sized guy. You guys, I mean, you're 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, Duke the Dumpster Drosy is 6'6", six, six or 6'7". Six, you know, Hall and Nash and even Earthquake at that point, the, the Godwins. I mean, there's uh, the gun, Billy Gunn, the Bart Gunn, Smoking Guns. I mean, all the guys, Yokozuna. I mean, there's so many guys there. Yeah. It's just amazing looking back. Can you believe like the just how the business has changed? Where you guys were monsters, larger than life, and now it's like, oh, the guy's two hundred five pounds, oh, decent size. Yeah, two hundred five. We'd be throwing that all over, yeah. the, <laughs> all over the building. Yeah, yeah, man. I just like like for example, Yoko going through the airports and stuff. The poor guy. I mean, he had to struggle, man. He was always on the carts and stuff, getting from point A to point B. He had to have two seats in first class. He was so big. Um, just, it was just, it was tough on him. I could just, ima- I mean, it was tough on me. I could just imagine how t- hard it was for him. Um, you know, then that schedule, you know, crazy as far as kind of you, um, you're in Royal rumble 94, you're at WrestleMania 10, but, and I was there live and I was kind of shocked. You get a quick loss to earthquake. Did you kind of think they were going to do something more with you? Or were you like, wow, this is kind of surprising 30 seconds. Like I was, yeah, I was surprised because the whole week prior to, you know, you, you go and you work your matches over in Europe and then you bring that match back to the States. So I had worked earthquake like 10 nights in a row. So we had like a 15, 14, 15 minute match laid out. It was a hell of a match, you know. And I was like, I'm looking forward. This is going. This is going to get over because I'm like, because I'm doing all the flying. You know, ninety percent of the bumping because he's so big. He was six seven, what four hundred three seventy whatever he was. I, I don't quite remember. Big boy, yeah. At least three seventy five. Anyway, so I was doing the boom, 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 the flying, whatever. 
And but we had a good match worked out. And I was just real disappointed that, you know, I was told it was due to time issues or whatever, because they weren't even going to have the match. And then they I guess they decided to just throw it out there as a, as a squash. Um, but yeah, I was disappointed, no doubt. I mean, I, I had, um, I just, I, 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 like I said, I wanted to show them the match that we had had ready for them. So, yeah. Yeah. That 10 man tag does get cut off the show. So there was some time constraints going on where they were cutting matches. Exactly. Yep. That's what they did. They, uh, trimmed out, you know, I guess what they could. Would you rather have not been on the card or rather been on the card with that match? Like, were you, uh, gonna... I don't know, you know, almost say, ah, not be on it. Um, because I, I had heard a lot of the guys that were not on the show got the same payoff that I got. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, damn, I, I got squashed and really got, uh, pushed down the card. Um, uh, you know, for the same thing. So yeah, it could have went either way. And it's funny. I always talked to Dr. Tom. He was working the pre-show that night at, with the bodies against the Bushwhackers. And he said he wished he was on the show, but I said, well, a couple of matches were really kind of cut short and one match got pulled. So he's like, Oh, maybe, maybe not that, you know, as far as being on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it, it could have went either way. So eventually you'll be a part of Royal Rumble 95 too. Do they have any plans for you? Or are they saying anything to you? Cause it's like, you're not really getting a push, but you're not really getting too beat up. Cause you do have that rematch against earthquake on raw. Obviously goes a little bit longer this time around, but right. are they going to do anything with you? Do they have any plans for you? What's kind of the thing uh, tell? Well, I, I turned face, you know, at, at mm -hmm. the end of that. And so it was picking up steam and they could see that it was picking up steam in Europe and, and here in the States too. Uh, so yeah, I think they they definitely had some plans once they saw wow this guy's really improved. So because you know, I, I you know if you're on the road that much you're going to get better. If you don't get any better, then you need to just pack it up and just go home permanently. Right. Uh, and I knew I was getting better. I could feel it. I could see it. I could feel the crowd. I could you know work with their reactions, interacting. You know all the above. So yeah, I felt that um, it was definitely going to it was on an upswing. Did they say that you're going to win Intercontinental title, win the King of the Ring? Do they kind of give you any promises or no? Yeah. Well, that was, that was, I'd say the work schedule, um, the, the pay was really the biggest reason, but yeah, the, I was also promised and, and probably other guys were too, whatever. Uh, but I was, I was actually sitting down with, agents and this is what they had after i put mabel over at the king of the ring tournament then they said well we're going to put this strap on you i see strap and we're going to run with you in this direction and i'm thinking well okay that's that's great um but it never happened um for whatever reason they decided not to go that direction and like i said i just kept going down the card um and um i lived in atlanta and and I knew that uh, Bischoff wanted me to come in, so I, you know, for a lot more money. Um, so it was a it was not a hard decision for me, you know. So did you ask for your release, or they released you? No. Um, after you know, like I said, I'd been lied to, and I just I'd rather you just not tell me. Just say, don't even bring it up. Let's just. You know, I'll, I'll be, I'll do business. They went to put Mabel over. I put him over. I would have done it either way, 
Well, they didn't have to tell me, hey, we're going to do, do this with the IC belt. Just, don't tell me that just to try to, you know, make things better. Just be straight up about it. Then they were not. And between that and the schedule and, and no home life, and I was like, okay, uh, that's it. I'm, I'm done. I, and I just I, – I left – I was supposed to be in Boston. I said, nope, I'm taking the next flight home. <laughs> and I did, man. Uh, Vince called me, but why are you not in Boston? And I'm like, well, you want to hear, here's the reasons why. And just, just what we discussed. Um, and so, and yeah, so I sat out for I don't know how many months till my contract expired. I worked in the UK for a few, few places uh, in between uh, and a few spot shows in, in in the US until I signed a three year deal with WCW Ted Turner. Uh you like my Artie Spooner air <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah. So um uh yeah so man I honestly I always felt like I belonged in WCW. I don't know why it just it just seemed a, a much better fit for me. You know did you know Bischoff were you friendly with him? Um, I was not really friendly with him. I, I, I think I'd met him through a couple of people in, in the Atlanta area, but, um, he, you know, he, he told me, Hey, let's have a meeting. He, we met at, at a place in Atlanta and, um, you know, it's like when I walked into the room, like when I walked to a room, I, people look around, I I'm a big guy, you know, and at the time, man, I was ready to go. And he was just like, he was looking around, like looking at the people looking at me, you know. And he was like, "Oh yeah, you're you're coming, you're signing." And I, I definitely wanted to. I couldn't wait to to uh, work working back in WCW. So Vince was pissed that you were gone, though. Was he like mad at you, or not really? Yeah, I'm. I, you know, but hey, that again, um, pay me what I'm worth at least, or at least make it reasonable. Let's talk about it. Uh, and none of those things happened. Um, so, yeah, I just, I'd already, I'd had sh- shoulder surgery. Um, I had impingement where my shoulder joint was crushing down the bone and they had to go in and scrape it out. And I was supposed to be out like eight to 10 weeks. And I got back and I had a match within six. So I was just pushing myself all the time to get back to like make them happy. And I was like, that's still not, that's not good enough. I'm like, well, then what is, you know? what else do I got to do to, you know, get it working? But, and I felt I was much more appreciated and compensated uh, in WCW. Did you like Vince overall? Like what was your relationship like with him? Um, it just was not really that great. Um, there were a couple of times I thought, Oh, this is, you know, things are starting to, we're breaking through a little bit, but it never got to be where it was a, a good relationship. I don't, I don't feel. And then, you know, once I left, of course, um, I'm sure he didn't like that, but again, you know, you go do 280 days plus and tell me how you feel. And then you get home and you see that check that that's, uh, it just not adding up. So you end up WCW as Wrath, the part of the Blood Runs Cold storyline with Glacier and Mortis. What do you think about that character? The look is cool. Obviously, your look is cool. The outfit is kind of cool, but it's a little different. It's a little Mortal Kombat-esque. What did you think about it? 
Uh, yeah, I knew what they were going to do the whole time. We, we, I got to talk to Eric. I had a great relationship with him. I could talk to him very easily about any of the questions I had about what we were doing. I knew we were doing a Mortal Kombat gimmick. I even went to uh, a judo. I did kickboxing and judo for like six, six, eight months of nothing but training on that and the other stuff we were doing. So I knew what it was. I even got a spot in the Mortal Kombat TV uh, series. Um, I was the uh, special guest star. Yeah, that. Awesome. So, yeah, I mean, I, I knew where they were going with it. Yeah, and, and like I said, it had a phenomenal look. They put a lot of money into it. Um, it just so happened that that was coming out about the same time the NWO was starting, um, and then that just sort of steamrolled just about everything, really, uh, because it was so popular. Um, so that's that's sort of that that direction of what, you know, the character. The was, original, Bish- right? was Bishop, like you said, you could talk to him. Was he easier to get along with than Vince? Oh, yes, man. I've, I've told us. Uh, um, I felt like I had, I was sitting outside the principal's office waiting to go in to see Vince. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. I was just like, and I had to go through like 10 agents just to get a meeting. I'm like, this is BS, man. I, and with Bischoff, I was like, I, I could talk to Eric. I had a question. Eric was super busy, just like everybody else is, but he would still take a second and say, okay, you know, tell me what he thought about where I was going and, and the direction and stuff. So just much better um, relationship. What do you think about working with Chris Canyon, who was playing Mortis? Um, no problems at all with Chris. Uh, Chris was a, a bumping machine. Um, could do just about any and everything. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it wasn't, you know, I I was open to it. I, I knew that Eric was behind it, so that which would, that was great. I mean, when the boss is behind it, how, how can you not get with the program, you know? Yeah. What did you think about Glacier in that storyline? I know you were kind of saying the NWO kind of, steamrolled it but did you think it would work let's say nwo wasn't there you think that world combat stuff would have worked at that time uh it's hard to say um working with glacier and ernest miller uh you know ernest was a a, a karate champion and then ray was uh, already an excellent martial artist uh so yeah I, it's hard to say i mean if if it would have give, given it some more steam um and then we still had some hell of a matches if you look back at at some of the pay-per-views like fall brawl of like 97, I think it was. And then, uh, then the matches we had being Canyon had against, uh, Ray and Ernest all good stuff. I mean, just, it was just a matter of the timing and the placement of the other stuff that was going on because you remember you got two or three hours of TV to fill. So there's a lot of things going on. Yeah. Did you think you were hitting your physical peak at that point? Cause Wrath as a wrestler and Wrath as the gimmick. I mean, you were kind of on a roll quite a bit, and then a, quite a good undefeated streak for a while. Yeah. Um, once, once they, um, I had, I had a meeting with Eric, um, and it just seemed like you know the whole tagging with Canyon was sort of everything was going running down, and I just said, you know, can I do Wrath the way I want to do it, and just you take a look at it? And he said, yeah. And so he he gave me a little bit of time to put it together, um, and um, it worked, man. Um, I came up with the meltdown, 
uh, as a finisher, and uh, nobody had ever done it that way. I was the first to do it that way. And so um, it just, man, it went on a roll. And like you said, six or eight months, I don't know how long it was, undefeated. I mean, I went ran through any and everybody. You know, I was on, it was like a, a runaway freight, freight train, man. It was just, it was, it was, it was, and I could feel it every night when I went out there, man, The just the eruption. So yeah, it was, it was on a big roll. Yeah. You were getting a nice push too. Did they say they were going to like kind of building you up for Goldberg or building you up for Nash? Was that kind of the, the uh, idea? I was told, I think, I don't remember who told me exactly, but I, I mean, it may have been Eric. I don't remember. But yeah, that was the plan is that they, they got to see the first few months. They were like, okay, we got something here. Hang on. Let's keep, let him roll, let him roll. And next thing you know, the Goldberg talk started. You know, the, everybody wanted to see those two bulls go at it. And, and that was the plan. Um, but like a month before, um, out of nowhere, they they threw in the Nash match, and then they stopped my undefeated streak. And then, then I think maybe the next month he beat he beat Bill's streak. I think, yeah, just like around that. that same time. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, and you know, uh, of course, you can't go undefeated forever. Everybody knows that. Um, but I think um, I think could could have got a lot more mileage out of it. You know, you think Nash was the right guy you know, to be Goldberg or maybe somebody else should have been. Uh, it's hard to say. Um, I mean, there were a number of guys on the roster that could have, it just, I mean, you go, you look back at like how we were working with our inner workings with Japan. Look, I mean, like Scott Norton, like he was, he was such a huge star in Japan. I mean, he could have done it, you know, um, there could have been a number of guys that that was able to um, snap history. Yeah, I, I don't think Nash was the only one. No. Did you like Goldberg, and did you like Nash? I got lo- I got along with Nash. Uh, I got along really well with Bill. Um, I worked with Bill in Japan at towards the end of my career a lot, um, and I worked a lot. Um, with Bill once, you know, later on when I was in, in uh, tag with, with Brian Adams. Yep. Oh so, yeah. Um, absolutely. Um, like I said, I just, just with Bill, a lot more chemistry. Then again, I only worked Nash that one time. I think we could have got a lot more out of just even that match. We could have gotten a lot more mileage out of it. Um, but it seemed like they were maybe rushing it a little bit hard, hard to say. As far as you at that point, before chronic happens, did you get injured or something happened? Yes. Okay. So you get injured, that kind of derails a little bit of what was happening. What happened with the injury? Uh, I I worked in Seattle, had taken a red eye to Orlando, um, and then worked that night in Orlando, coming off the top rope, clothesline, came down wrong. I'd done that move. I said a million times, but not that many. <laughs> I that move a lot. It was nothing, anything different. It's just, I don't know if it was maybe a bit of fatigue. Hard to say, but I landed wrong, and, man, I snapped that ACL, and that was it. And, I mean, I finished the match. I uh, got a DQ out of it because I, I, you know, I had to go to the floor with it. I, I could barely even stand on it. 
So I was out for, I don't know, six, eight months. And I told the story and I'll tell it to you. I, during that time, I had gotten, I was getting a lot of, like I said, I just did the Mortal Kombat TV series. I'd done some stuff for TBS, Superstation commercials and stuff. And I also got a part in Gladiator. And so I was supposed to go to Morocco for 18 weeks to film Gladiator and tour the ACL and that's it. So that goes out the window along with <laughs> along with Rath's whole um, winning streak, you know. So, yeah. Damn, bad timing. That's just a uh, hey, man, injury, yeah. That and, and then I missed out on that movie, so I was pissed. <laughs> you know, I read for other, other things, but that was the one that was like, damn, that's the one that got away? Are you kidding? Because that, that's, a, to me, in my opinion, it's a great movie. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. You know? Yeah, so... Now, when you come back, though, when do they say, okay, you and Brian Adams should be chronic? Like, who kind of pitches that, and when Like, when does that all kind of go down? Um, well, that was about the time uh, Russo came in. Um, uh, and and Brian, was, Brian was out for something. I'm not quite sure if it was injury or they just were taking him off to, to get him started in something else. But he called me. And asked me what I thought about tag teaming. And I said this before, but at first I was like, well, you know, I like Brian a lot. Uh, and I was like, man, I just, I think I'm just going to restart Wrath again and get this injury over. And and I, and I just was like, I left it at that. And we, I just sort of think about it thing. And then he called me a week or so later. He's like, hey, what do you think about this? And, this? and next thing you know, man, I, <laughs> I agreed to it. I'm so glad I did. I trust me. I I love Brian, man. He was the the best partner I could have ever had, with hands down, man. In the locker room, traveling A to Z, man. He was the best. So I'm so glad I, I he um, asked me to 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 form the team, and then uh, the fans did a poll or something. They came up with the name, um, and then we put a spin on it. Um, and spell it care O N I K, and then the music, which we had a big input in with Jimmy Hart. We flew down to Tampa, met, come up with the the music, and, and Brian did the voiceover at the very beginning. Um, so yeah, I had a, we we both had a lot of input on it, and man, I don't know, it was just me and Brian's um ability to get along outside of the ring and then also in the ring, but we got over. Almost instantly. I, I mean, if you go back and look at how fast we got over, I, I just think that it was it was perfect storm as far as WCW needed a big monster killer tag team, and we were it. Great team, like it's a great theme, great look, everything about it. You guys yep. just seem to connect and have great chemistry. Like, boom, right Absolutely. away. Yep. And then there was, you know, the, the New Blood, the Millionaire's Club, obviously Russo writing. Did you like the creative at that point, WCW? Um, most of it. Um, and again, like I said, um, we were one of the few things um, that were really getting over and working at the time. Um, and I'm not just saying that from just my point of view, whatever, but I mean, I could feel it and I could see it every night 
that we went out there and the pop we got. And then when we did all our big stuff and Brian did the full Nelson slam, I did the meltdown and then we did the double choke slam as a finish. I mean, people were just with it. I mean, I don't you know how else to, <laughs> you know, tell you, but yeah, it, it worked, man. Yeah, you guys were over like Rover at that point for sure. Yeah. Did you, you had two kind of short tag team title runs. Did you feel like they should have been longer or that doesn't really matter? Like you don't think about stuff like that. Uh, I really didn't think about it. Um, I mean, we, if we'd have won it three times or five, it, uh, you know, um, it was just great to have that accomplishment. Um, you know, um, you know, and then of course the biggest thing, and I've told you this before, that the biggest thing is that winning all Japan titles were the biggest thing. And I know that's jumping a little bit ahead of your, yeah. uh, but yeah, that will come to that. But, um, yeah, it was great to win them on two occasions, no doubt. With that too, like you mentioned before, Goldberg, you guys kind of main event two on one against Goldberg. Basically they're saying his career is on the line. He can't lose. You guys end up taking the loss, but you know you're main eventing a, a havoc pay per view or a big pay per view. Was that a good experience, or was it one of those things like, ah, oh, we shouldn't lose to a guy two on one, even though there was, you know, obviously a little bit of shenanigans involved. Yeah, I mean, uh, we had such me and Brian, we both had such a good worker relationship with Bill, um, and so it it was not a big it was not a big issue as far as we we you know we took it in stride. We knew we could continue to get over even. Even with that loss, we knew we could bounce back from it, you know, and we did. So then you both kind of get hurt, and then all of a sudden, WCW sells to WWF. Was that a big shock to you? Yeah, I, I yeah, I would. I think everybody was shocked. Uh, I remember um, I just got a concussion. I had thirty staples in my head from a chair shot. Uh, animal caught me with a. I was we had a tag match and we were working and I was outside with Lex and Lex reversed me to the guardrail and animal came through the crowd with a chair. Uh, and he just nailed me. And I think there were some kids or something in the way. So he had to reach over and he overextended and he was at full speed. Right. And he caught me with the rim, the hard mm. rim and it opened me up in the back of my head, man. Um, I'll just say this real story real quick. I thought for a second, I was like, man, the fan just threw like a, a Coke at me or something, big, a big, big glass of Coke. And I'm like, man, why the hell is, what's all this, where did this come from? And it was me just flowing blood. Man. Oh, yeah. I, I was just, I was looked down, I was like, oh shit. And, and then I just started getting dizzy. And I was supposed to go in and tag Brian. And Brian's looking at me like, stay down stay down and that's the last thing i remember and i just i was out i don't remember anything i do remember goldberg and benoit helping carry me uh from from ringside that, that and then into the ambulance that's about you know um and then to the baltimore hospital where they staple my head back together and like a great partner man brian was there all night with me man I mean, uh, that's a that's a good friend that would do that and stay there. He could have went to the hotel and went to sleep or whatever, but he yep. was there, he stayed there whole all night with me, man. That's just you know, good friend. The, oh yeah, man, he was the best. <clears throat> any any heat with animal? No, no. Like I said, it, 
No, he even called a check on me. Uh, not no heat at all. I mean, yeah, it hurt like hell. I didn't expect it. I don't, you know, it was supposed to not catch me with the rim, but like I said, there were kids in the way and he had to reach over. But man, it sounded like a gun went off. I mean, bam, and I, oh, and it just, <laughs> it laid me open, man. Scary, that, yeah. That was yep. one of uh, at least four that I know of concussions, but that's a whole different ballgame. Oh, Scary yeah. stuff, for sure. Hey, man, it's all fake till somebody gets hurt, right? <laughs> <laughs> True, yeah. Yep. yep. Doesn't sound like uh, fake uh, at all to me. But and you I do have- end up. You do end up, I'm sorry, I was going to say, you do end up with a lot of injuries throughout the career, though. Like you said, because you had the knee, then you had a shoulder, you had the cut open head. I mean, it's not fake. There's just no way. The elbow in there. uh, I've had 13 surgeries. Um, um, And I've had, yeah, I've had 13. um, 13. there, There could be one or two more that I'm forgetting about, <laughs> but they weren't major surgeries, but um, yeah, neck, uh, back, knee replacement, but man, I'm still at the gym every day. I will not, I will not stop. So that's, you know, that's hashtag no days off, man. That, that's me. Yeah. yeah. After WCW is dead and buried in WWF Pfizer, you end up in WWF, but only for a very, very short time as Chronic. How did that kind of all come down? Was Undertaker kind of wanted you guys in, or did you still have contracts from WCW? How'd you get in? Um, I think Taker probably had something to do with it because he was friends with Brian also. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, and I wanted to go to Japan. That that's what was my take on. It. I think I said I told Brian. It's like I think we need to go to Japan. That's where I just felt it would for our style, our look, our size, all that. You know, the hard hitting style would have been perfect for us. But we were getting towards the end of our career too, and so by the time um, we get to back to WWE, we had been off for I don't know almost a year. And so we, I mean, we didn't have like, you know, we needed our timing back. We needed, um, even though we were working out and training and stuff, it's just not the same. You just got to get, you got to get some time under your belt to get in back into that groove. And we were not. And um, I even had it suggested once we got back up there to put us on the road for a little bit. And they were like, no, we want to do this. And we want pay-per-view and blah, blah, blah. Once again, rushing everything. Uh, and so we ended up having and in that match, Kane had a staph infection. Taker had, I don't know what was, uh, an injury. I don't remember what. My neck, that's another, oh, I forgot to mention that surgery, which was a big one. Uh, my neck uh, was, I needed to operate it on. Um, I can't remember if Brian was injured. Um, I know he had a lot of back issues. It just was not a good, it was not a good fit for the rush job that was put on it. So should have been built up a little bit give you guys a little bit of time to get some ring rust off well that and yeah like timing and just everything i mean we like i said we, we there were some places that we were training in some rings and stuff and during our time off there were some time, places we were training and stuff but it's not the same as getting back into that groove you know absolutely so did you kind of want your release at that point did you get released or what happens with uh, the exit the exit was um they basically said, we don't want to sign a one-year contract. So they basically said, uh, we're not happy with 
you know, the way it turned out. Well, hell, I wasn't either. Who was? <laughs> right. Um, but again, I, I had suggested, hey, let's go get some time. And so they could put the blame on whoever. And I, I'm not going to sit and point fingers about who did what and who's protected and who's not, whatever. Either way, we took the exit. We got paid for a year. Um, they said they were, I've heard these rumors like, oh, they were sent down the OVW. I never went. Brian actually went. And I think Brian ended up really just almost like helping guys and grooming them for other stuff, you know, during that time. Uh, and I know that he had a big influence helping like Eddie Guerrero come back after an injury and a lot of stuff. But me, I didn't. I just waited until um, it was done and then we could get our shot uh, in all Japan. Yeah. And you guys, obviously, like I said, you guys win the tag team titles to be Muda and Kaya. So, I mean, pretty, uh, pretty nice little run you guys had over there for sure. Uh, yeah. And like I said, I was a huge, massive Stan Hansen fan. And to go back and I get to watch some of that footage of him presenting the belts to us, man, that was just like, like you said, man, you see, uh, that's just, you know, nothing better than that, man. I mean, to me, that was the top of the mountain with um, having him and packed, sold out Osaka, Japan. It was it was awesome. Very, very cool. And you and uh, Brian kind of a little bit like, you know, Hanson and, and Gordy or, you know, like those big time uh, rough and tumble Gaijin tag teams fits in perfectly. Right. If you look at all the history of the Road Warriors and uh, different teams that have won the titles through the years. Gordian Williams, yeah. Exactly. Hanson and so many combinations. Um, it was a, a, a huge honor for us to win those belts. I mean, it was, like I said, uh, you know, to be in that group with the history of that title um, it is the tops for me. And then, like you said before, you you and Goldberg uh, kind of uh, get reintroduced in Japan. Goldberg and Great Muda against you and Brian, which is pretty cool, pretty big time main event over there. Yeah, and you know we had you know we had, we had a good relationship with Bill. <laughs> I remember Bill was pretty nervous about going over there and protecting you know what he had built up, which I don't blame him. But yep. uh, me and Brian, and, and Brian especially, helped Bill and let him know what he was getting into and you know, how to work the Japanese style and the crowd and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, he helped uh, we, him, and I said both of us, but Brian even more so uh, helped Bill a lot, I, I feel. And I'm sure Bill will tell you the same thing. Now, as we hit the wind down and head towards the finish, you, know, you mentioned before some acting. I remember, weren't you doing some big time movies and stuff too? I remember seeing a lot of cool pictures of you almost look like Hercules and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know about big time, um, more like B movie. I did, a, I was hmm. like the, 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 uh, the main, the main event for, uh, Axeman two, which is like a horror flick, classic, uh, B movie horror flick. Um, and I've had I've, I've had a few other offers and different things. I did a, a Australian Coca Cola commercial and just different things, um, but never any major stuff. Like I said, man, but I missed out on Gladiator. That was pretty disappointing. But that's the way life is. You ups and downs, and that's just the way it goes. Um, so yeah. As far as kind of doing that did you like acting do you feel like wrestling is an easy way to kind of get into acting because it's a lot you know 
easy transition, so to speak. Um, some of it, yeah. I mean, I had a I had a feel for when to work the hard camera, when exactly my cues. I I knew my lines. I like an axe man too, man. I was spot on for everything, um, and I was a hundred, so completely believable uh, as a an axe murderer. <laughs> I mean, I had it down, and I, you know, I didn't miss a beat with that. So yeah, that part of it. Um, but man, there's that—that that is a lot of work too. If you're doing the physical part of it, which is what I I end up in most of the time, it seemed like um, 12, 14 hours a day, easy sometimes, um, easy but not easy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's it's hard to say. Um, it's not always an easy transition to that. Um, it just, I think it's a little different for everybody. As far as your wrestling career and the injuries and stuff, was painkillers and that kind of stuff, was that kind of just the norm of guys getting into that stuff? Because, you know, you got to work so many days on the road. You got to make the next town. Was that kind of just a normal occurrence that people were doing painkillers and stuff just to make their pain go away so they can make it to the next town, wrestle again, and do it all over again? I think it, I think it was the norm, unfortunately. Um, and with my case, um, I had, uh, about two years ago, a little over two years ago, I had, uh, some negative publicity where, um, I had some false accusations of things against me at the time, which now are all being dropped. It's dragged out a li- little bit because of the COVID and the whole court process, but it, it's, 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 you know, it's behind me. Um, but you know, the bottom line was, is that after that many surgeries uh, and at my age, I had developed a dependency on, on the pain, on the opiates um, and the doctors and they kept prescribing them. But then again, I had surgery after surgery after surgery. And it just seemed like, it just seemed like the norm, but it was not the norm. And I knew it wasn't the norm and I didn't like it. I didn't like being on them. Um, but the other pain, the other option was like, what, what, I, what do I do? And I didn't know what to do at the time. Um, but when I got that negative publicity and stuff, uh, I just said, you know what? I've overcome and made so many um, good things happen in my life. I was like, there was no way anymore. I, I said the, the day that I had got the negative publicity, and I felt so down about it. And lucky that my wife is a nurse. Um, I went cold turkey. I just said, that's it. And I quit. And um, it was hell. It was, I had to call on all my strength, man, God and family and everything else. But I, you know, I knew that. And I said said this before, and I'll tell you again, but God, family, and weight training, man, that's, you know, those are the things that have always sort of been with me and once again pulled me out of that hole man because it is for all the people that think that they have to be on and they have to have to stay on them you do not and it's not easy to quit and i i was so miserable for 14 or 15 days i don't even remember sleeping i just remember laying on the couch not having any energy miserable, just, uh, I was like, what the hell is happening? You know, but I said, there's no way 
that I'm going to take another pain pill. And I have not over two years. And man, I'm, I'm so proud of the fact that I was able to beat it. Um, and I, you know, they say never say never, but absolutely never again, because I will not go back through that hell. And like I said, I had to call on <laughs> military and college football and all the strength that I had to do it. And I did it. And I said, no way, man. There's no way a pill is going to control my life. And so, man, it's just, and everything has been so much better. And it's amazing uh, two years later that uh, I can think more clearly, um, have all this merchandise come out, that stuff that I created, they were all my designs, all my ideas. Um, so I, just for anybody that's out there that, you know, don't think you cannot do it. You Because you first you can, and you get in your mindset, and you just have that ability to just say, look, and you don't have to go cold turkey because I'm, I'm sort of uh, hard-headed. I don't know what you call it. I'm set my ways about doing things, man. I have to do it my way. And that was my way. That's not everybody's way. Um, like I said, I'm lucky that my wife's a nurse and she was able to really watch over me and get me through it. Um, but, man, there's it's just so much better not having to worry about that, uh, you know, when am I going to take a pill? When am I, you know, you know, it's just not, man. And now, and they were like, well, how do you, how do you manage it? I'm, I'm in the hot tub at 5 a.m. stretching and getting myself going. Um, I'm weight training. I'm doing cardio every day. Uh, I'm doing some yoga. I'm doing a lot of different things. Um, and I'm just taking care of myself um, every day, man. Um, so, um Hopefully that'll, maybe that'll help somebody. I don't know, but I just, I'm not preaching to anybody. Just want to let them know that um, you can beat it. You know. Is it a hard thing to get over though? You're doing that every day. And then you like you say, quitting cold Turkey. Is that like a really hard thing to kind of get used to being able to just do that? Just boom, just like that. Yes, absolutely. It was, like I said, it was probably the, one of the hardest things I've ever done. But I was so determined because I was already wanting to be off of them anyway. So I was so determined to be off of them. And just like I said, I was so miserable. Like the first 14, 15, 16 days, I was just like, I just want to sleep. I just want one hour of sleep, anything. <laughs> right. I was, man, I was, a, a, I was, but I just kept trying once I got, through those couple of weeks, then I was like, okay, I can go and I can slowly start to work out and slowly, man, I was pathetic. I was just doing just five pounds and then 10 and then the buildup, you know, each day I would keep notes of all my training and all the stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to do and you can, but, but you don't let anybody tell you, oh, it can't be, it can be done. But yes, it was, it was very difficult. Uh, I'm so proud that um, I did it and I'll, I'll never do it again. I can tell you that I absolutely will not go through that for anybody. And that's awesome that you kind of got over that and got through and they're so positive about oh, it today. It's awesome. Hey, it's, it's, it's all hundred percent, man. I'm just, like I said, um, it is 
It is because you, you have so many, like with me, I had so many surgeries and, and then you just start, it just starts being so repetitive of, okay, I take a pill at every four hours and then, and then just on and on and on. So then your, your mind and everything thinks that you've got to have them in it. And that's the way I felt. I was, I felt a little trapped, uh, honestly. And, um, I just finally said enough is enough. I had wanted to say enough is enough for a long time anyway, but I just said, this is not, this is not going to happen. And, um, I don't know my iron will or whatever you want to call it, but, um, I just, I beat it and, and I'm, I'm proud of it. Great, great stuff. And as far as kind of looking back at everything, wrestling wise do you have any regrets like from wrestling would it be getting into the painkillers or would it be maybe not sticking up to vince and saying hey this is what you need to do with me like do you have any regrets looking back at wrestling um i don't know i would say regrets um i would just say maybe there could have been some things that could have been done differently Uh, you know i see a lot of comments on, on social media that maybe this could have been better you should have had a better run at this or could have kept wrath going for longer and different things but you know everything happens for a reason i think you know for the most part and um yeah i don't regret you know has it been hard was it difficult to overcome a lot of things absolutely there are things in life that are difficult (laughs) anyway you just got to push through man um like i said there's no days off just just get up and start swinging man and that's what you got to do as far as kind of looking back at your career, do you have some favorite like matches and opponents? I always love to say it's a wrestler, especially you that were, you know, obviously in the big time for a long period of time, WCW and WWF and even all Japan. But I love kind of you, you know, you go to YouTube and you're like, Oh, he mentioned this guy and this guy. And you kind of make a YouTube playlist of all the matches. Like what could you, you know, who could you put on that list? Um, man. Well, like for example, we get to work savage. Uh, in WWF at the time, that was amazing, and I got to work Taker a ton of time, so many casket matches, and so I got to work with Bret Hart. I don't know how many times. Um, there's just a like I said, I worked. It seems like I've worked with just about at least in my generation. I've, I feel like I've got to work with just about everybody. Um, so it's a it would be a big list if I had to just. I, I don't know if I could narrow it down to. To, to one person. What okay. was your favorite uh, favorite place to work? Was it WCW or All Japan, maybe? Um, I loved All Japan and also loved WCW for the Wrath run. And then also teaming with Brian was 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 the best. Um, so, yeah, those two. Uh, but then there's parts of Adam Bomb that I loved. Um, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't like that schedule. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Who did? I mean, it was insane. Um, that's why, you know, there were a lot of guys that didn't survive it. I mean, it's sad to say, but you can, there's a point to a breaking point uh, on that kind of schedule for everybody. Uh, it seemed like, you know. Yeah. Crazy, crazy schedule back in that day. But as far as maybe one last big question for you, as far as like your lasting legacy or stamp, when people look back at, uh, Brian Clark, like, what is the legacy? Of, obviously, you know, you got Adam Bomb, you got Wrath, you got Crime, but what is the the legacy of Brian Clark? Mm, I don't know. Um, like I said, I get a lot of compliments on the social media as far as 
how, how, how athletic I was and the things that I could do that most 296, 300-pound guys couldn't do. And I mean, from, from my flying to just all the power stuff I did, um, you know, that just goes back through my background of uh, the powerlifting and, and the college football and stuff. But I would, I just think that I was so athletic and all the different things that I could do versus someone the same size. And it just was very uncommon, I guess. Um, and, you know, like I said, the, the three-time world tag team champs, I mean, that's pretty, that's, that's pretty good. And, and, and having Brian as a partner, that was, like I said, the best. So for sure, maybe underutilized in WBF is Adam bomb. I felt like that maybe they'll put the rocket ship on him and, but Hey, you know, didn't happen. That's okay. I've heard that. I've heard different comments like, um, you know, that, that something like that. Hey, we should have done more. Um, yeah. So I'm not trying to, I'm not ignoring you at all here. I'm actually, I know that, um, we have a special guest. Oh, uh, when we, when we, before we wrap up, yeah. So make sure that that's ready. Um, yeah. So to answer your question, yeah, they absolutely could have done, done more with me, but they could have done more with a ton of guys. So yeah. Yep. As far as maybe getting into the plugs again and then talking about your pro wrestling tea store, please give us all the information where everybody can get the stuff and what's available. Um, we well pro wrestling teas, for example. Um has uh, started out with uh, either nine or 10 different designs that I that I had created uh, there at ProWrestlingTees.com. And you look under Adam Bomb slash Chronic, and there's your whole selection of all the different shirts. And there's more to come. we got a lot more stuff coming up. Uh, talk about a Michael, possibly Michael Brawler. Uh, also in negotiations with a toy company in the UK to redo the Adam Bomb. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but during those two years of me getting everything back together, also got my trademarks. So Wrath, Chronic, and a Bomb belong to me. Um, uh, so that's just more of the creative stuff I've done. Um, so, yeah, Pro Wrestling Tees, and then, of course, Wrestle Merch Central in the UK. Um, they have a massive line. I just, I mean... I, I create. I made these bomber jackets. Who better to have a bomber jacket than Adam yeah. Bomb? <laughs> I was gonna say that. Yeah. So they're, they're pretty badass. I guess I I designed them myself, and so check them out. I mean, you're not gonna be disappointed wherever you shop. Both of these places are loaded. Awesome stuff. As far as social media and stuff, uh-huh. where can everybody kind of find you? Just check you out, see where you're up to. Um. Uh, at, at Facebook it's under Brian Clark, uh, and at at the real at real Brian Clark on Twitter. I'm I'm new to Twitter, so I'm catching up to speed on that. Uh, but I welcome everybody. I've joined a ton of groups and I want everybody to uh, be able to check out the merchandise and just so they want to chat wrestling, whatever they want to talk about. Um, but those two those two are um, what I've got going right now. Nice. Now, as far as a special guest, I know you were teasing oh, it. No, I mean, you know, um, I uh, let me just make this make this call here real quick. Um, during you know um, my time off, um, I I would say 
11 month old now. She is 11 months old. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. So I wanted to introduce to you <laughs> my baby girl. So, oh, very nice. Oh. Check out the goggles, man. Oh, I love it. Nice. Nice. What's her name? <laughs> this is Skylar. Come here. Hey. Hi. Uh, she, I got to, yeah, give her glasses. There you go. All right. <laughs> Look at the camera, baby. Well, yeah. this nice. Is, yeah, this Love is my it. this is my little COVID girl here. <laughs> Love she, it. No, she has. Oh yeah, she has been a blessing, man. I'm I'm a huge dog person. I've pets, you know, animals. So I'm a big animal loving person. But yeah, she has been. Boy, when we first got her. You know, she's just out of control. But she's she's been amazing. So yeah, that is my uh, Scottish Sheltie. Nice. They say that the animals have been. You thought I was bringing out a baby, didn't you? Yeah, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe you have a baby. Oh my God. I got you. Uh, <laughs> you bought it. Okay. Yes. But they say the animals have benefited from COVID because, you know, the owners are home a lot more. So it's very, very oh, cool. Man, this one is so spoiled. Yeah. And we got, and we got her as a puppy. Uh, Michelle flew to Dallas to, to get her. We found her in Dallas because we couldn't find anybody here in, in Arizona um with the um with the shelties and so we found her and I brought her back and oh man she's <laughs> she's been a blast that's awesome very good love it love it Adam bomb with the little sheltie very yeah, cool yep. so mr clark thank you so much uh, for all time really really appreciate this time this has been awesome i love going down memory lane you had a great career so it's awesome to kind of be able to run it down with you great hey man Again, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, again, appreciate all the love from the fans and and uh, the old school fans, the new fans. Uh, everybody's been great, man. They've been so positive. Uh, and everything right now is so positive for me. Um, like I said, just, man, you know, every day it just gets better and better. Keep swinging, man. And like I said, reach out to me if you got any questions or however I can help, man. I'm uh, I'm out there. So just, you know, all right. All right. All right. Awesome stuff. Mr. Clark. Thank you again. Really appreciate all the time and, and good luck with everything, especially the merch. Good stuff. <laughs> all right, man. You take care. I appreciate it. This has been a John Paz power trip production in conjunction with the two man power trip of wrestling. You could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at two man power trip. You could check us out on Facebook. You could subscribe on YouTube you can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies, brother. <laughs>